thing. It was just so great to be able to come in this morning and just pray that notwithstanding this gloomy weather, we can come in here and be ungloomed and uh, uh, just walk into the presence and, and the light of the Lord. Uh, the Lord uh, and His presence, there is a light there. There's a light also with just the body of Christ. So no matter what it's doing outside... Okay, so just to piggyback on the announcements, there are many opportunities for midweek fellowship. Um, again, the, some of the fellowships uh, closed during the break, but they are back on women. Women! Women! You get Ladies Bible study on Tuesday night. I'm sorry, I'm biased. I, I have to, it's my wife teaches it, and they have an absolutely phenomenal time. Consider it if you haven't been in it before. And men, 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 Saturday morning. And there's also that one day men's conference. I've seen the speaker. I won't be going to this particular conference. Speaker is fantastic, Sandy Adams. Uh, we do allow him um, up in Massachusetts, even though he comes from Georgia and speaks kind of like this. Um, but uh, he's a wonderful man of God, and uh, so men, take advantage of that opportunity. Okay, please rise for the reading of God's Word. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse at Calvary Chapel, and we are in Ephesians making our way slowly but surely through Ephesians. And if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you may keep it. That's, we give out Christmas gifts 52 weeks a year here. You can have the Bible if you don't have one. We'd love to be able to give it to you. I'm going to be starting in verse 1, but skipping through the chapter Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. Some of, some of you have made alive in italics. Those words actually are not there in the original language. Others of you don't have those three words, he made alive. But um, we've been going with the translation, just sort of the little word for word. And you were dead in trespasses and sins. I'll skip down to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, 
remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Lord, bring us near this morning. Draw us near. Your word, Lord, we are remembered of your word, which says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Lord, we, okay, Lord, in our hearts, we're, we're nudging up close, Lord. And we want that light that is referred to so much in the Bible, Lord. And that word light, it's... It's used so many ways in a wrong way, Lord, today in spiritual circles. But we pray that you would show us your light, the light of life. Show us your grace, your mercy. Teach us about this life in which we draw near and are near. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. A couple of years ago, I was driving through Jamaica Plain, and I was talking to someone on my cell phone, and I rolled through a stop sign without coming to a complete stop, and a Boston police officer in a cruiser was waiting for me, and he pulled me over, and he came up to my a car, and he said, sir, can I have your driver's license? And I knew I didn't have it on me, because I ran out of the house, and I was, was in a hurry, and I said, um, I'm really sorry, I, I don't have my driver's license, I'm sorry. He said, okay, can I have your car registration? Uh, just a second, and I started looking around, fumbling through and throwing stuff around. No car registration. I'm really sorry, I, I don't have my car registration. And so he said, okay, well, please wait here. And he went back to his car, which was right behind mine, and about five minutes later, he came back with a ticket. And on the ticket, there were not one not two, not three, but four violations. Number one, driving while hindered by cell phone use. <laughs> Violation number two, running a stop sign. Violation number three, no driver's license. Violation number four, no car registration. He hands me the ticket. It was a warning ticket. Wow. 
No fines, no violations put on my driver's record, no increased premiums, a warning ticket. Now, of course, I'm really embarrassed. I'm thinking, what if this guy like walks into church and sees me up front preaching? Well, hey, isn't this the guy that breaks all the laws at the same time? <laughs> you know, what kind of church is this? Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking other things like, what does it take to get a ticket around here? I, I, I mean, this is kind of crazy, but, you know... Um, Obviously, I was really happy. I'm like, this is the coolest cop in the world. I, I, you know, I don't know his name. I, I, I can say that I think he was Dominican. Um, I love Dominican food, and I love Dominican cops um, as of that event. But, um, I, I, and I was thinking, man, I wish I could do something for this guy. But then I'm like, oh, no, that would be violating some other law, which is really much worse. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling incredibly blessed, but um, thinking, about, thinking back on this, you know, it, it really happened. That was a true story. But let me just embellish and I guess even make up a hypothetical. Let's say, hypothetically, a week later, I get a letter in the mail from the same guy from Santiago. And the letter um, says that, uh, you know, it was great meeting you the other day. Enclosed is a gift certificate for $200 for the Top of the Hub restaurant on top of the Prudential building. Would that be crazy or what? Wow, that would be really crazy. Those Dominican police officers, they're crazy. I love them, though. So why am I talking about all this? Well, it's confession. You're my confessional, and I have, I'm having to confess. But, um, and also to make my wife just go, oh, why is he saying this? Not really. That's not why I do this kind of stuff, but I'm sure she is. Listen, you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff, okay? You're supposed to, when you drive, you're supposed to have your driver's license on you. When you and you're supposed to have your car registrations. D don't do what I say. I don't do what I do. Rather, do what I say. Don't do what do what I preach. But anyway, I'm I'm much better at that stuff today. But last week we were we were uh, closed out our study, uh, talking about the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is when someone withholds or takes away a punishment that you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is something oh so much greater, though. Grace is when someone takes away a punishment that you deserve and then replaces the punishment with a reward. So the Boston police um, officer gave me mercy when he withheld the punishment that I deserved. And oh man, do I love mercy. I am into mercy. I'm into that stuff. I, I, I like mercy. But what about grace? As good as mercy is, grace is exceedingly abundant better. Exceedingly abundant better. Verse 7, actually, which we di didn't read, talks about the exceeding riches of His grace. It says, grace is not only give it, not, grace is not only not giving me the punishment that I deserved, a big old 
traffic ticket with multiple violations on it. Grace is turning around and sending me a, a $200 gift certificate for the top of the hub restaurant. That's grace. Well, listen, we will see this same distinction with mercy and grace here in the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. So verse 1, read along with me please, says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, this is referring to, if you uh, weren't here last week, you may want to get the CD, this is referring to the fact that Every man and woman who comes out of their mother's womb is born because of inherited inclination to sin and rebellion against God. We're born dead in our relationship with God. Verse 1, you were dead in your sin. Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, meaning you were once in this place where, you know, think of a, think of a, a stream or a river with currents. And man, the world goes this way, this course, you went that course. And it went this course, you went that course. You walked according to the course of the world. According to the prince of power of the air. Eek! Satan said, take a left, you went left. Satan said, take a right, you went right. Verse 3, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. What does the flesh say? The flesh says, gimme, gimme, gimme. And what did we do when it said, gimme, gimme, gimme? We said, take me, take me, take me. That's what it's referring to right here. And then, At the end of verse 3, it says, You were by nature children of wrath. Speaking of God's anger. God's anger hovered over you. His judgment. Wrath refers to judgment and anger. Justice of a holy, holy God. You were once there. But then it says, verse 4, But God... Every one of you who has given your life to Jesus Christ has a two-word testimony that you can share. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Now stop. That's mercy. That's mercy. Notice verse 4, reference to the word mercy. It's, it's the word mercy there. But God who is rich in mercy, what did He do? He took away the death that you deserved. He made you alive. He opened your eyes up. He made you alive. That is mercy. But God did not stop with mercy. At the end of verse 5, He says, It is by grace that you have been saved and raised up together and sit and seated together in the heavenly places in Christ 
Jesus. So in his mercy, he took away death and he made us alive. And then by his grace, verse 6 says, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenlies in Christ Jesus. And you say, wow, he made us alive and then raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. I don't know what that means, but it sounds really good. Well, let's talk a little bit about what that means because that must be pretty important stuff because after all, verse 6 says, verse 6 and 7 rather says that, that being raised up together and seated together with Christ is a description, verse 7, of the exceeding riches of God's grace. Now, look, we come here so that we can start understanding the Bible. Some of this stuff, we read it, and we don't really understand it. God's priority for you is that you know Him. Do you know that? We don't just come to a church to like hang out with people, sing songs, light candles, and take communion, and then go away. God's, God's purpose for you coming here this morning is for you to know God to know him. What does this mean? That God, not only did he in his mercy make me alive, but in his grace he raised me up and seated me in heavenly places. What does that mean? Well, we sort of began this discussion last week. Being raised up and seated together in the heavenlies is a picture of how God sees you. However you may see yourself. Let me tell you what, how God sees you. It's right here. If you have asked His Son, Jesus Christ, into your life. Now, because of my own sin, I have, I have, I'm a child of wrath. I'm a child of your judgment. Come in and save me. The Holy Spirit into your life and you are made new. You may think you're working your rat. You're struggling to be good enough to get into heaven, but that's not how God... That's why the gospel is called good news. That's good news. Two chapters of Ephesians, you need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you, not the way you see yourself. Be secure. It's already secure. You are seated with God in the heavenlies. This week, I want to sort of develop that. Remember, we're talking about mercy. Is grace by raising us up and seating us in the heavenlies. When my Dominican police officer withheld the four traffic violations, thank you. But grace, letter and a gift and a reward in it. And he said, it's just a, a gift for you. It's, it's even, call it a reward. Pastor Steve, more about the grace, the gift, the reward of being raised up and with God, verse 6, in the heavenlies. What could that possibly mean? What that means, if you're taking notes, please write this down. What that means is your entire relationship with heaven now is based upon the fact that God has seated you in heaven. Your entire relationship with heaven is, is that now 
you can enjoy all the benefits of heaven now. Now, what do I mean by that? You, in a real, in a sense, so seated in the heavenlies means you're enjoying right now all the benefits of being in the heavenlies. Now, what could that possibly mean? Well, let me give you a few examples. Actually, let me, um, let me have Jesus explain rather than me. Here's what Jesus said. He said in Matthew 18, 18, Assuredly, I say to you, he's speaking to you if you have given Jesus the throne of your life. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's speaking of prayer. Whatever you bind, meaning whatever you pray about on earth, will be bound in heaven. In other words, it will be done in heaven. Now, what does he mean by that? Why is he saying that? Because you've been raised up and you're seated right now in the heavenlies. That's why. And your relationship with heaven has changed such that in God's eyes, from his perspective, you're right there with him. So whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Uh, previously, you were under the judgment from heaven. Now you are a beneficiary of all the riches of heaven. Are you following me? Let me give you another example. Look at this other astonishing statement. On this rock, this is Jesus speaking to uh, Peter, but really all the disciples. He's, he's speaking to the, all, all the disciples here, his disciples. <clears throat> he says, on this rock, who is the rock? Jesus is the rock. He's called throughout the Bible the rock, actually. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, many of your translations say hell, shall not prevail against it. That means when... You're moving out by faith in your life, a life of obedience, a life near God. The gates of hell, devil, and all his demons cannot prevail against you. Cannot prevail against you. Why is that? Because you have been raised up and seated with God in the heavenlies. Your entire relationship with heaven has been changed. And, and, and so when you're proceeding out in life, all of heaven is with you. Believe it or not. I, I know that's hard to get your mind wrapped around, but that's what these verses are saying. You're seated with God in the heavenly. Heavenlies. Just a, a few more verses. First John 5.18, we were recently in this. He who has been born of God... To become a Christian, you need to be born of God. He who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one, meaning Satan, does not touch him. Satan can no more smack you in the mouth if you're walking with the Lord than he can smack Jesus Christ in the mouth. Why? Because you're seated with him, Jesus, in the heavenlies. I'm going to continue a couple more verses because these are, this is a difficult thing to understand, but very important. 
Many of you have heard this verse. It's a great verse. <laughs> the reason we hear some verses a lot is because they're incredibly great verses. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now remember, the Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. You, you, you may think your argument is with, I don't know, your neighbor or the coworker who is just giving you such a hard time. The Bible says, no, your battle's not against that person. There's principalities and powers of the air that are coming against you. There's weapons that have been formed against you. It's just true. No reason, no reason to fear this, by the way, but it's, it's true. Weapons have been formed against you in the spiritual realm, but none of them will prosper. Why is that? Because you are seated with God in the heavenlies. If, if, if the principality's powers come against you, they're coming against heaven. All the more reason, by the way, that it's craziness to stray off in disobedience in our life. Because we're just going to become roadkill for the enemy of our souls there. If the Bible says in Psalm 25, Lord, keep me on a straight path because of my enemies. We walk off the path, we'll get knocked off. But in the path, it's such a safe place. Why? Because um, our position is we're seated with Jesus in the heavenlies. Probably the best verse to illustrate this is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Jesus says this, He who receives you, receives me. We are, wa we are walking, breathing representatives of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. I mean, you know, you can dive into your secular psychology books as to what to do to get self-esteem, or else you can just believe what Jesus says here. Is this incredible or what? This is truth. It's truth repeated over and over again. Why does God repeat it over and over again? Because it's, it's difficult for us to believe because we have low self-esteem. But we build up our self-esteem not by going around and trying to make people think about us, by, by looking at how God sees us and how studying how God thinks about us. This is what God, not only does he think, about the, um, think this about us, this is, this is the reality of what he sees. He who receives you receives me. So mercy took away death, but oh my, look what grace has done. And by the way, I could go on and on and on. I've just given you really one small piece, and that is seated in the heavenlies, meaning means the grace means that you now have you you, you now have, have now all the power of the heavenly host behind you. That that's just one thing about being raised up and seated in the heavenlies. That's just one aspect. But I you know, for for the purpose of explaining to you the distinction between mercy, God made, took away death and made you alive, and grace, he raised you up and seated in the heavenlies. The power of God that you now have at your disposal because of being seated in the heavenlies. Look at what grace did. He raised you up. It raised you up. It seated you in the heavenlies. And you're now a, a living, breathing representative of Jesus Christ in your family. Verse 8 continues. It is by grace that you have been saved through of God. 
not of works, not of, we can't be saved, should boast. No one's going to be able to get into heaven and look to their right or left and say, hell, I just, I'm better than them. No, it's the grace of God, not of worship, created in Christ Jesus for good work in them. Forget for a second about you. It says that you are his workmanship. You are God's poem. He's written off a poem for you. And his will for your life is that you walk in it. Let's continue. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. At what time? Before they gave their life to Jesus. Before they believed in Jesus. Before opening up their heart to Jesus. Verse uh, 12 says, At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. He's saying, remember. Remember. That's who you were. Remember that. Remember. But then verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So remember, let's, we have communion today. Com- communion is, to use sort of theological language, it's a sacrament of remembrance. The purpose of communion is not so that you know the, the, the cup represents the blood of Jesus, the, the bread represents his body. But when we share communion, nothing magical is happening. We're not, we're not drinking something that's going to make us a better person or more qualified for heaven. It is a sacrifice, at rather it's a sacrament of remembrance, meaning when we have communion... It's about remembering what God did for you and how easy do we forget. Paul says here, remember, verse 11. And I believe he's telling them to remember in two different ways, sort of two different levels of remembrance. Two different. Let's put them up here, actually. Remember, if you're taking notes, number one, he's saying, remember where you once were. You better remember where you once were. A man or woman who forgets where they've come from is in a very dangerous place. But also, remember where those around you still are. Remember where those around you still are. Let's take number one first. Remember who you once were. Verse 11 says, Remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh. 
In other words, you behaved, a Gentile is a non-Jew, which just represents in this context just an unbeliever. You were just, you were a Gentile in the flesh, meaning, we already read it in verse 3, you just fulfilled whatever the desire of your flesh was, meaning that when it came to making, when you reached a crossroads of making decision, and one way was what God wanted, but another way was what your flesh wanted, you just, you, more often than not, you just went with what the flesh wanted. You were Gentiles in the flesh. Also, remember who you once were. Remember that you were without Christ, verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ. This whole thing about being seated together with Christ in the heavenlies, you didn't have any of that before God made you alive and raised you up. You didn't have any of that. And don't remember, by the way, it's all about grace. It was, you did nothing to deserve it. On the contrary, you did everything not to deserve it. And Paul says, remember, he continues on in verse 12, you were without hope and without God in the world. Without hope. If there's anything that characterizes the world, it's hopelessness. If there is anything that characterizes clinical depression, it is hopelessness. And he's saying, remember, this is what you were saved out of. You were hopeless. You were without hope and without God in the world. And don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. You know, this week... Um, I visited the gym uh, near my house. It's a, it's a small gym uh, where I live, and I love it because it's open 24 hours. I can go there at 1 or 2 in the morning, and I actually do sometimes, believe it or not. And uh, about six months ago, or actually, no, it was about a year ago, I met the owner of this gym, and uh, they had a free personal training session. I signed up, and so the owner... Uh, of the gym gave me this free personal uh, uh, training session. He said, so what do you do? He says, uh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, really? My dad, my dad was a pastor. I said, oh, that's interesting. Where? He said, in Dover. Uh, really, in Dover? I used to live in, in Dover. When was he um, a pastor in, in Dover? I'm sorry, I'm going to date myself. Uh, he said, oh, yeah, in the early 70s. Really? That's when I lived in Dover. What was the name of the church? It was, the, it was called the Dover Episcopal. This guy and me were in the same Sunday school class. To, you know, alarm bells are going off like nuts in my mind. You know, this is nothing, you know. And, and, and um, and so, you know, we start to talk some other uh, training sessions from them. And it's not, it's, it's what I would characterize, it's, it's what I call a non-Christian church. You may not know this, many churches are like that. I never heard about being born again, never heard about being happy in this church. And so, and every time I go to Dover, we go one, out there once a month, I thank God as I'm driving into Dover, Lord, your grace. Because it's just not a place where many people come to God. You know, we're, 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 the, 
clearly doesn't know God today. I got just got been developing this relationship, and then last June I broke my ankle, so I didn't show up for like five again about a month ago. And uh, I said, "Hey, man, can we uh, get together?" Most of the time, I will share with you that after having developed a relationship with, started off well. He says, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I do. Just come in any time." Set up a meeting with him. He agreed, but then he canceled. Then I tried to showed up uh, last Monday, and um, there's no one in the gym. Which I'm like, Lord, you know, I've been praying about this. What's up? He's not even here. Why'd you bring me here, Lord? Uh, anyway, I, I decided to just stretch and, and do stuff like that, and sure enough, he hit me. I sort of knew he wasn't really pleased. That I, um, he goes into his office, and I get up, and uh, I go, and I said, why? He said, I'm too busy. Looking around there. And I said, well, when can I talk with you? He goes, two months. I said, okay. I just had this, was walking out just feeling all sorry for myself. Praying so much about this and this happens? All this stuff you do, that's a burden? You came from? Steve? Pastor Steve? Do not in your transgressions. You lived in Dover. This sign up again <laughs> on the projection screen, this, this sign. Remember. Remember where you once were. You're in a dangerous place as soon as you start feeling sorry for yourself or just feeling like you deserve something that you don't have. You're in a dangerous place. You're forgetting who you once were. But second of all, remember where those around you still are. Remember where those around you still are. You, you know your boss um, who can't stop this silly habit of yelling at you and everyone else and you can't stop complaining? I can't believe what a jerk this guy is. Stop that. Listen, what more can you expect from a dead man? He's dead. Verse 1 says he is dead just like you were. You can't expect better behavior from a dead man. Or your friend in the dorm or wherever who can't stop talking about the men she sleeps with. And you can't stop judging her. I can't believe how loose she is. Stop that. Listen, what more can you expect of a dead woman? And but for the grace of God, go you. Or you're thinking about, you know, all the stuff that you went through because of what your parents put you through. What they did to you, your father or your mother, what they did to you and in your heart. You're complaining. Why didn't I have a father? Why didn't I have a mother like anyone else? Stop that. What more can you expect from dead people? What more can you expect from someone who is not a believer? Now, some of you had believing parents who made mistakes too. It's another sermon for another day. But, but when an unbeliever has wronged you or is wronging you now, you better remember where those around you still are. They are, verse 1, dead in their transgressions, 
verse 2, they're walking according to the course of the world and they can't help it because the prince of the power of the air is just leading them on and they are conducting themselves according to the lust of the flesh and you better be looking at them like this too. The end of verse 3 says they're children of wrath. They're under the judgment of God. Just to pray for them and behave towards them in light of this truth. Proverbs says, let mercy and truth always be wrapped around your neck. Speaking of a necklace. May they be your necklace, mercy and truth. We interact with others based upon truth and mercy. The same mercy that God has extended towards us and the same grace that God has extended towards us. So we're going to have communion now. And if the worship team could come up, and if you've been asked to pray, can you please come up? When Jesus is giving the bread, he says, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he gives the cup at the Last Supper, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a sacrament of remembrance. That's what it is. Remember, we, we remember where we were at and what he did for us. Why does he ask us to remember? Why does he ask us to do communion often? Because we forget so easily. We start becoming judgmental towards others or we start condemning ourselves or we start thinking we're really special people. When really there's one special, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who lived a perfect life in order to credit that perfection to your account. Who died on the cross because the penalty for your sin is death, but he died instead of you. And he raised from the dead and ascended into heaven in order to pour out that perfect life on you and in you. So... The worship team is going to start playing, and during that time, if you could walk back, and there's a cup, there are cups in the back, and there's bread in the back, just grab a cup and a, and, and a piece of bread and come back to your seats, we'll have communion. But I will tell you this, if you have never in your life opened up your heart and said, Jesus, and said to Jesus, said to the Lord, Come in and take over. I'm the problem. I'm the problem, Lord. It's my sin. And, and I, I deserve to be a child of your judgment. I deserve every piece of judgment that you, you have coming my way. But I believe what your son did for me. 
And I believe that what the Bible is saying, that Jesus knocks on the door, is knocking on the door of my heart, come in, Jesus, I'm the problem, save me. If you've never done that, please come up while the worship team begins. And just, I'll be up here. There's some other folks who will be up here. And we will lead you through a simple prayer of faith. And the Bible says, all it takes is that prayer of faith, again, for the Holy Spirit to come in and invade your life and take over and prepare you for heaven. And at that moment, at the moment of the prayer of faith, the Bible says you're raised up and you're seated with God in the heavenlies. That's a pretty good deal. If you've never done that deal, please come up. Or, you've forgotten who you are. Either you live in condemnation and guilt, and you forgot that God has raised you up, or, or, man, you've gotten yourself into a big mess in your life because you've forgotten that you were once dead. You were once walking, fulfilling the lust of your flesh, living the life, as it says, of the Gentiles. And whatever, it's created a mess in your life, and you just want prayer for that. Come up and pray as well. Or if you have anything else uh, to pray about, the Bible says that before a man or woman has communion, let them examine their heart. We don't want to go to the communion table with any anxiety on our heart. Just come up and pray. This is a family here. If you're new to this family, um, we just really emphasize being open in this area of prayer. So come up as the worship team uh, begins and during the next uh, one or two songs if you could just go to the back and take a cup and a piece of bread and return to your seats and we will have communion together.